Welcome to Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. Those of you who've been around Trinity for a while know that I have a new puppy in my house. And puppies, not unlike babies, have a tendency to take all of your energy and attention for the uh, at least first few days. And so I have another Lily story for you. Now, she's a Havanese dog, and Havanese are uh, small-ish. There are smaller dogs, of course, but I had no idea how much hair they have. We had a whole discussion about the difference between fur and hair. What this dog has is hair. She doesn't shed, but my goodness, does it grow. This is a picture I took uh, before she was groomed. Uh, now, uh, my son, Ricky, who's also a little shaggy right now, is also on there. You would be forgiven if you can't tell where Lily ends and Ricky begins. I mean, I'm telling you, that is a shaggy dog at time with lots of fur. And another uh, similarity between parenting and dog ownership is that sometimes you, you learn things. So for instance, with people, at least the hair pretty much stays up here, but with dogs, the fur is all the way around and that there are times when you take them outside and they do what they need to do outside and that hair is getting long. Let's just say grooming is important. And we were too late in making the appointment, and I think there was a week where, gosh, at least once a day, she would like would be like, I don't want to come up, I don't want to come in, I don't want to come in, and she'd kind of scoot her way up the stairs, and I'm like, oh, no. And they're matted in the fur, it is. <laughs> and there's only one way to deal with it, there's only one, well I suppose you could give her a whole bath, the only way to deal with it is to just pick her up and, and hold her backwards, so like with her head like this, and hold her and, and get a Kleenex, and you have this little moment of, I love you dog, <laughs> and, then, and then you have to take care of it. Hey, oh here, I have a picture for you. No, oh, no, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't, I don't have a picture of that one. Believe me. <laughs> I've even learned that there's such a thing as a hygiene groom. Now, do any of you know what a hygiene groom is? I'll just say it's, it's just, that's it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. But it solves this problem. <laughs> now, I want to suggest that what I just gave you is the secret to the kingdom of heaven. So we're continuing a series called One Another, and it's about the one another phrases in the Bible. Uh, and I was mortified after I put the, uh, uh, the uh, series together that I realized my favorite Bible translation doesn't say one another anymore. It says each other. But that's all right. It means the same thing. So we've talked about encourage one another. Um, you know, there's others you can think of like love one another. These one another phrases in the Bible can teach us so much. Some of them are connected to stories like the one today. A lot of them are one shots, uh, but today we get into another one. Uh, and uh, so, so now, now that we've finished the first story, uh, I want to talk about feet. This is a good one this week, isn't it? I'm sorry to all of you starting growth groups this week. <laughs> what, a, what a week to start on, right? So I want to talk about feet, and I've got a lovely image for you to look at while we do. Now, 
this is from Wikipedia, and I want you to appreciate what feet are fully here before we get into the story of Jesus. Wikipedia says it this way, the foot, plural feet, is an anatomical structure found in many vertebrates. It is the terminal portion of a limb which bears weight and allows locomotion. In other words, they're at the end of your leg and you can walk. The human foot is strong and complex, a, a strong and complex mechanical structure containing 26 bones, 33 joints. Did you know there are 33 joints in your foot, 20 of which are ac actively articulated, they move, and more than 100 muscles, tendons, and ligaments. So there's one side of the foot. Now, here's the other side of the foot. Due to their position and function, position and function, feet are exposed to a variety of potential infections and injuries, including athlete's foot, bunions, ingrown toenails, Morton's neuroma, plantar fasciitis, plantar warts, and stress fractures. Now, I did not look up what any of these foot diseases are, but I do have a picture for you. No, I'm kidding. I'll, I'll stop doing that now, if only so our tech team can relax every time I do that. You're welcome. <laughs> now, feet are hardworking. They're amazing in their ability of what feet do if you think about it and what they're able to do for us. And what do they get for all of their amazingness? They're always dirty for doing their job because there they are walking on the ground. Now, different cultures have different views of feet. There are some cultures that honor feet, that hold them high. And in fact, that might be the best, huh? Because of how amazing of a, of a part of our body they are and how underappreciated uh, they are. It would be good probably to honor our feet a little more. You know, I kind of think that we Americans are more or less indifferent, but when push comes to shove, we have attitudes about feet too. You know, another church that I served when I was um, uh, earlier in my ministry, the youth group wanted to do a foot washing and invited the whole church. Oh my goodness, there was rebellion. Oh my goodness, there was rebellion. Anyone over the age of about 20, when you asked them to take off their socks and shoes in church, oh my goodness, there was rebellion. And it was awkward because the youth really wanted to do this nice thing and saw the value of foot washing. Meanwhile, and I'm not just saying older people, I'm serious, anyone over the age of about 20 did not want to take off their socks and shoes and show them to everyone. <laughs> and I will admit that even when I was putting this sermon together, I got really tired of seeing that foot on the left side of my screen while I wrote on the right. I think it's probably more about intimacy, right? You know, anybody who's done a hard day of work on their feet knows that when your feet hurt, all of you hurt, hurts, right? Our feet are not private parts like some others, but they're still very personal. Think about how weird it would be if you were swimming, even, even swimming, and somebody touched your feet. Just a little weird, right? It's personal. But more to today's point, some cultures see feet as deeply symbolic, not in a good way. They focus more on the dirtiness of them uh, and uh, probably as a way of keeping safe. Just like we're learning about social distancing now, other cultures uh, uh, thought poorly about feet in part to prevent the spread of disease. Like, for instance, uh, Arab countries uh, is, a, is a place that you especially see this, this bias against feet. Do you remember the incident uh, in 2008? It was right at the end of George W. Bush's presidency, and one of the reporters, when he was speaking, I, I think it was in Iraq, uh, threw his shoes at him. 
And it seemed like a small thing. You know, if you're going to try to hurt a president, why would you throw shoes? No, 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 no. It wasn't about hurting him. He had no intention to actually hit him. He did it as an insult because of what shoes and feet mean in that culture. I heard a story once of somebody who traveled to the Middle East and, like any American would, crossed his legs. You can't see on the camera. I'm crossing my legs while I'm standing here right now. But do you know what happens when you cross your legs? You show the sole of your feet. And what this American in the Middle East didn't realize that when he, is that when he crossed his legs and showed the sole of his feet, it was quite the deep insult to the people he was with. I'm looking around to see who just uncrossed their legs here this morning. <laughs> uh, so this is closer to what the culture was like during Jesus' time. It was a walking culture, and it was a walking culture where they mostly wore sandals. So you might picture sandals that tie, flip-flops might be the same. Now, we're not talking Birkenstocks, Birkenstocks with like substantial soles on them. We're talking simple, thin-soled sandals at best. And, and it was a walking culture. So when you traveled, you walked along dirt roads and sandy roads. Now, I will say that animals also traveled on these roads, animals that are even bigger, bigger and hairier than my Havanese would oftentimes walk in front of you. Mm-hmm, that's right, and I'm pretty sure that any journey in Jesus' time would have involved a little bit of stepping in it while wearing flip-flops. Now, I say that not to gross you out, but I really do want you to appreciate what Jesus is about to do. You know, when you arrived in your destination, foot washing was common, again, to prevent spread of disease. It was just part of life because that's the time and place that they lived. Foot washing was common and it wasn't pleasant. And if you were wealthy enough, if you were wealthy at all, it was a servant or a slave who did the washing uh, so that others would not have to. Okay. Now, let's revisit the scripture. Uh, Alexis read it so well for us earlier, but you know me. I always think you have to hear it more than once to really, uh, to really have it take root. So I'm going to read it for you again and interject a comment or two. So before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that, that his time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Now, I love that phrase. It's not today's topic, but I've got to read it again. Having loved his own who were in the world, having loved them, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal. The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So... He got up from the table and took off his robes. Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. Okay, now we dress differently, so let's talk about this. He, uh, he, uh, he stripped down, he took off his robes. This would be the modern equivalent, I think, of uh, stripping down to like an undershirt is what it was. So, so picture Jesus there in kind of, a, kind of a slightly ratty undershirt. And tying a towel around his waist, we don't really do that. Maybe it's more like throwing one over your shoulder. And we're talking a foot washing towel here, so a dirty one over his shoulder in an undershirt. Picture it like that. Uh, uh, let's see, picking up a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a wash basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Now, Jesus isn't the servant. He isn't a slave. And here he goes washing his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he was wearing. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, 
Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. It's like, you're Jesus, come on. This isn't your job, let me wash my own feet. You don't need to get down there in the muck and the, 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 the stepping in it that's on my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Hopefully not with the same towel though, right? <laughs> Jesus responded, those who have bathed need only to have their feet washed because they are completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him. That's why he said not every one of you is clean. After he had washed his disciples' feet, he put on his robes again and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. You must watch, wash one another's feet. I have given you an example. Just as I have done, you also must do. Since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. Now, there's lots that jumps out. Maybe something in that story jumped out to you. But there's one word that just strikes me. It's the word so. So is a cause and effect word, right? One thing happens and so this other thing happens. But in the beginning of this, it says it like this. Where does it go? Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God. Jesus knew that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robes. Because God had given him everything, because Jesus was Jesus, that is the reason he took off his robes, knelt down, and cleaned the you-know-what off his disciples' Feet. That is the upside down nature of God's kingdom. Those two little letters, so, because Jesus was Jesus, that's why he did this. You see, that's God. You ever wonder about God's heart? There it is. There you go. Ever wanted a glimpse of the kingdom of God? There it is. Ever wanted a roadmap to your own happiness and fulfillment? Wash one another's feet. Now, we should say that Jesus isn't just talking about literal foot washing here, right? Though maybe sometimes. Think about a nurse that changes bedpans. What about a friend who isn't afraid to face their, their friend's addiction? A spouse who loves you even in those not proud moments? Those parents who do, okay, most of parenting. <laughs> well, it seems like it some days, doesn't it? This is washing one another's feet. You know, Judas was about to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands. And like a parent, Jesus knew his beloved disciples could only do so much on their own. He knew 
that it was stuck in the fur and that the only way it was going to get out of that fur was if he helped. He knew he had the power to do it, even if he didn't really want to. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus even had that moment where he was there with the Kleenex thinking to himself, yeah, this is... (laughs) But God had given him the power. God had given him everything. God had given him the love. And so he washed his disciples' feet. But there's one other phrase that sticks out at me. Peter objects. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. And then he adds, and so you must wash one another's feet. Now, if so is cause and effect, you know, this happened and so this. Instead, this is conditional language. Unless I wash you, if you don't let me wash you, then you don't have a place with me. And also, you must wash one another's, right? Now, some interpret this as an in or out kind of thing. Like, if you, don't, if you aren't willing to do the dirty work, then you're out. But I don't think that's quite what he's saying. I see it more as uh, being about getting it. You know, if you're not willing to get your hands dirty, if you're not willing to do the down and dirty work, if you're not willing to express your love by doing what needs to be done when it comes your way, then you don't even know what's going on here. You, you, you don't really get love. <laughs> you don't really get why, what God is doing here. You don't really get the love that God has shown for you. If you don't do these things, if you don't wash one another's feet, then it shows that you don't, you don't really get it. Not yet, anyway. You know, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. You know, what God is doing in the world and how God is making everything new. And he talks about it in parables. He talks about the mustard seed, the pearl of great price, the treasure buried in a field. And foot washing is a parable too, really, the one he acted out. And if you can't see why Jesus did it, if you can't see why his disciples needed cleaned, if you can't see why you need your foot washed from the times that you've stepped in it, And if you can't see why, if you love one another, you'll wash one another's feet too. If you can't see that, then you don't get the kingdom of God yet. It's not that you're not welcome. You just haven't seen it yet. Kind of like how a fire can't burn without oxygen, how a car can't run without fuel, how a light bulb can't light up without electricity. So if you're a follower of Jesus... You can't do his work unless you allow him to wash your feet and unless you wash one another's feet too. I'm going to let Jesus have the last word here. It's for those who see it and it's for those who are beginning to see it. Jesus says, since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. It really is true. Would you pray with me? Oh God, thank you for feet. It really is pretty amazing what our feet do for us and what an amazing mechanical structure they are. And it's also amazing just how dirty they become as they go about the world. Oh God, 
Thank you that you wash our feet. Thank you that you wash our hearts, our souls, our minds. It's an ongoing, continual process. But we thank you. Help us to be inspired by your love for us. And help us to so love one another that when we see a foot that needs washed, when we see a dirty job that needs done, we do not hesitate, at least not much, because we know that you are God and because we know that such is your kingdom. We pray it in the name of Jesus, the washer of us all. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.